uh, when everyone had received his Bible, a party started. It was really a party. <laughs> they were singing and dancing and praising the Lord with, with all they had. Hello and welcome to the Word in Action podcast from Bible League International. I'm your host, Michael Woolworth. A young man dedicated as a child by his parents to his family's idol leaves a life of crime and comes to Christ. The former village witch doctor who knew no peace receives his very first Bible. And a simple Bible study helps point people living steeped in spiritual darkness to the light of the gospel. It's all part of a trip made by my colleague Anton to the island nation of Madagascar, Africa. You're in for a treat today as you hear story after amazing story shared today from his travelogue. Anton, you have the privilege of uh, traveling on behalf of Bible League to so many wonderful uh, locations. You and I visited the Middle East not too long ago, but uh, you get to report on all these wonderful people, these stories. How does this trip to uh, Madagascar uh, rank against uh, all the others you've taken? Well, Michael, it's uh, it's difficult to rank all those various trips because because they all have their own merit and their good memories and the great meetings uh, that I think uh, think of still. However, um, my Madagascar trip definitely was a special one in many aspects. It was emotional. It was humbling in ma- on many occasions. Uh, but also the level of spiritual warfare uh, was something that really stood out to me uh, this time. Mm. Uh, tell us about the culture. Talk a little bit about the economy, the landscape. I, I know when you travel, you're you're kind of a bird watcher, right? You 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 love God's creation, and then the spiritual climate. Uh, but tell us kind of a summary of those things that you saw there in Madagascar. It's it's good to know that um, culturally, uh, Madagascar is is quite an interesting mix between Africa and Asia. Hmm. Uh, a large part of the population are descendants uh, of East Asians who migrated um, centuries ago across the Indian Ocean from uh, Indonesia to Madagascar. I even learned that the main language, Malagasy, is closely related to a language from Borneo in Indonesia. Hmm. But there are also many descendants of migrants from the African continent. So you know that you're in Africa, but it really feels like you're in Asia sometimes. And then also the culture is heavily influenced by the French. Um, They colonized the country until 1960 when it became independent. Hmm. And French is still widely spoken. Another thing that you see from the French is the many old French cars like Peugeot's and Renault's from uh, the 1980s, 1990s. Hmm. And I specifically say the, these, uh, this, this age because um, that indicates the economic situation. And I mean, since the independence in 1960, the country hasn't really developed um, economically and actually has been in a state of uh, stagnation for years, our uh, national director told me. And now with all these old cars, um, you can see that people have no money to uh, to buy new ones, even if if well if they have money to buy a car anyway, because especially in rural areas you don't see have uh, motorized tr- traffic. It's all with uh, cows or just people on bicycles or mm. walking. Hmm. So yeah, they they rely on those old cars, which they keep uh, patching up uh, time and again. Another thing that that uh, brings is that um, with all these old cars, the cities and towns are really heavily polluted. Uh, we were in a hotel in, in Antananarivo, the, the capital city, uh, which was built on a hill, and we could see the heavy smog over the city. So that's uh, it's, it's really polluted air. Um, but otherwise, the landscape is beautiful. Uh, I saw many wonderful, splendid birds. <laughs> uh, when we traveled to the rural areas, we crossed green hills and rivers and small streams, but also kind of a Sabbath arid region that made me think of Western movies. So it's, it's, it's a variety. As for the spiritual climate, 
since the French time, the Roman Catholic Church has played a major role, but many of its uh, followers are nominal believers at best. So still there is a tremendous impact of traditional belief systems like ancestral worship and sorcery and taboos. Taboos are a massive thing in Madagascar. Uh, there are all sorts of restrictions in order not to insult demons or spirits. So, for instance, you cannot look at graves because then you will insult a certain sp spirit. Or on several certain days, you have to walk in a certain direction and all those kind of crazy things. Um, and as a result, many people live in fear in uh, Madagascar. Yeah, yeah. You traveled with a man by the name of Meta, good friend of this ministry that often travels mm -hmm. uh, with you and uh, captures uh, those trips uh, in, in, in video and, and wonderful photographs. Didn't take you guys long uh, to see God at work. I know after you left the capital city, that's where you uh, kind of began your, your trek there. You attended a Project Philippa graduation ceremony in a very small remote village. Uh, you remember that? T tell, us, tell us a little bit about that experience, including an offering collected at the end. It's very moving. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was in uh, Mahazina. That's probably the only name I can pronounce uh, well, <laughs> with all the difficult uh, Malagasy names. Um, but in Mahazina, we uh, indeed visited a small church um, where we found about 40 people uh, gathering uh, because they had completed the Project Philip Bible study program and were now ready to receive uh, their copies of God's Word. So our team there um, really makes sure that the Bibles come into the right hands. Uh, so they carefully check the attendance list and go through every, every detail. So it was a long process. And all the time, the people were waiting patiently and silently. And then uh, when everyone had received this Bible, um, a party started. It was really a party. <laughs> they were singing and dancing and praising the Lord with, with all they had. But as you say, the best part came for me when the pastor said they were going to collect money. And now you must realize that these people really have nothing to spare. Hmm. But still... They wanted to offer their money for Bible League, so they gathered, you know, the basket went round and they gathered a few of their uh, the, the banknotes that they still had in their pockets. And they did so out of gratitude for what Bible League has brought them. Mm. And it was so humbling. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And then from there, you were off to meet a young man by the name of uh, Henry, who was a criminal by his teenage years and deep into demon activity. Um, Anton, share uh, Henry's amazing story. Yeah, sometimes you meet people that you... You know, if you haven't really done the conversation with them, you, you afterwards wouldn't believe it happened. Um, and, and such a story was Henry's. And he was such a friendly and gentle man uh, when I talked to him. But he said he used to be a savage. And already as a small child, and this that, that also uh, points out the level of, of false religion in Madagascar, um, his parents committed him as a, as a child to the service of the family's idol, which they had been serving for, for generations already. So he really grew up in serving idols. And then later, when he was about 12 years old, uh, poverty made him join a gang of cattle robbers, uh, which is a big thing in Madagascar, uh, because they don't have cars, in, in, in the, in the, especially in the rural area. So cattle, they use cattle for everything, not only for transport, but for work on the fields. It's, it's really their livestock is, is their life. So uh, robbing cattle is a big thing, and which also goes with a lot of violence. Hmm. And with a lot of danger, and, and that's why they seek protection from spirits. So at 17, he told me, he spent a week in a graveyard. He was lying in an empty grave without eating or drinking to dedicate himself to this demon that is related to cattle robbery mm. to seek his protection. So after that, um, he seemed untouchable. Uh, everyone feared him because, uh, you know, guns and knives didn't seem to harm him at all. 
uh, and he said it because of the, the, the demon's protection. So one day, uh, an elder of a local church asked him to do a job for him. And so Henry did this job because he wanted to earn some money. Um, and he went to the elder to get his money, which the elder didn't have at that moment. So Henry drew his knife to stab him because that's the only way how he knew uh, to solve issues like that. Mm. But then he couldn't harm the elder. He couldn't get at him with his knife. So Henry panicked and ran to uh, his witch doctor, which is kind of his, his spiritual advisor. And he said, I have met a power that is stronger than everything I know. What should I do? So the witch doctor told him to go back to the elder and find out what, what it was. So Henry went back to the elder and asked about it. And the elder answered, what you have experienced is the power of Jesus. Hmm. And Henry knew right away that he needed to submit to Jesus because it was more powerful than anything he had known before. So he burned all his amulets and his idols and, and, and his life as a cattle robber end, ended. Um, and after that, he joined the Project Philip Bible Study Group. He got saved and got baptized. And now he is reaching out with the gospel to his former gang members, uh, leading Bible studies with them. Wow, that's an incredible story. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, before you and I started the podcast, we we agreed that I would not butcher uh, the the names of the communities uh, that you and Meta uh, visited. Some of these are fifteen, sixteen letters in length, right? But uh, you you left uh, Henry. You uh, you went to another village, and um, Antenna was there that you spotted a stone monument depicting a Bible that marks the place where Christianity was first officially accepted by the Malagasy king. Now that's incredible, considering Madagascar's longtime connection to pagan beliefs and practices, yes? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I will for once try to pronounce it. I made a note of it. Tsiroa Nomandidi. Wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that stone monument. Um, with my six foot three, I wasn't tall enough to serve as a bookmark in that Bible, just to let you know how big that was. Mm. So near the Bible monument is a tall tamarind tree. Um, that used to be the court of the local leaders, but also a central place for idol worshipping and sacrificing. Um, and when a foreign missionary came to preach the gospel, I think it was somewhere in the 1800s, the local king accepted the message of Christ, and he and his uh, people got baptized. And these were actually the first baptisms in Madagascar, and that's why the place marks the beginning of the Christian era there. And I've really found that symbolism very striking, that God's word conquered what was really once a pagan sanctuary. Um, yeah, God's word is stronger than anything. Mm. Again, another uh, village here. I won't try to pronounce it. Uh, it's 15, 16 letters long, but uh, you, you witnessed the former uh, village witch doctor receiving his very own Bible um, at another uh, Project Philip graduation. That had to be quite moving. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I won't do this name. Uh, <laughs> I will mention the name of the, of the man. His name was Monsieur Clément, um, of Mr. Clement. Uh, well, he wasn't really a talkative man. I a bit struggled uh, interviewing him, but he said that he came from a family of idol worshippers, like many people in Madagascar, uh, that was also used to practicing witchcraft, and that was his ancestral destiny. Uh, that's what they told him. So he was trained to be, uh, to be a witch doctor. Uh, people came to him with, uh, with all sorts of problems, sicknesses, uh, marital issues, you name it. Mm. And he had a solution for that. However, from the few words that Mr. Clement said, I understood that he never felt happy. He was always unlucky, always sad, uh, because he felt that his witchcraft couldn't fulfill him. So that's why he started looking for other things to fill the gap, the, the spiritual gap that he, he experienced, um, until he found fulfillment in Christ. And he, he uh, also he joined uh, Prostophilic Bible Study in his village, 
and and discovered that this was the the spiritual uh, fulfillment that he was looking for. Hmm. And now the people in the area looked up to him, uh, even feared him because he was a witch doctor and he had all sorts of powers. And so when they saw him accepting accepting Christ, they said, we should do so too. So they followed this example. And uh, many of them joined the Bible study and and we saw them uh, receiving their Bibles uh, during the celebration. But to see such a man with such a past receive a Bible, um, yeah, that was was really special. We're kind of on the theme of uh, witchcraft and, uh, you know, people living uh, steeped in uh, spiritual uh, darkness. Again, in another village, uh, you were reminded uh, that uh, some in that island nation really have lived uh, generations steeped in spiritual darkness. You, you met a man by the name of Pastor Jacques, right? Jacques, yes. Uh, he told you about the sorcery and the witchcraft there, and uh, and as an end user of uh, Project Philip, and again, that's a program that our listeners are, are well acquainted with. Um, what did Pastor Jacques, and his, uh, what, what did he say about this popular uh, Bible League program? He took us to a place in this village. Um, there was a, a rock. It was really not much to look at, like a flat chunk of stone half in the ground. Hmm. But uh, villagers believed that wa- that rock to be connected to a certain demon, um, and they believed that they must appease that demon uh, with frequent animal sacrifices. Uh, and he also, Pastor Jacques also told us that there is an annual festival of witchcraft where people from a wide area come to perform all sorts of pagan rituals. And that's all just a few yards away from his church. So he's really in the middle of that. And he is, is using the Project Philip Bible study to reach his villagers uh, with the gospel. So when we were there, uh, we visited four Bible study groups, um, and and knowing where they come from, it's it's so yeah, it's it's so touching to see them so busy with the Word of God, mm. uh, where they you know just recently uh, were still uh, practicing all sorts of uh, demonic rituals. And also on that day, there was a, a program promotion. Uh, he promoted Prophet Philip to uh, church leaders from the area, and he was he shared his excitement about the way that he had seen his church grow uh, in number, but also spiritual because of the Bible study program. So we really witnessed the multiplying effect of, of Bible League's ministry firsthand. Yeah, I love hearing that. Um, Anton, you uh, said you had what you, I'll quote, your most uh, emotional interview ever with an elderly woman in her 80s named Marie Julien. Uh, why was that so emotional? Yeah, I still feel it. That's, uh, she was uh, yeah, an elderly lady dressed in nothing more than I described it as dirty rags. Mm. Um, you, you could really tell she lived in grinding poverty. She was she was dirty. Uh, she had a few of her grandchildren with her, also dirty with with this. Yeah, really, you poverty all over. Yet the first thing uh, when I started talking to her was that she did was praising the Lord mm-hmm. because she said she and her husband had gone to the river that morning and caught two fish. So God gave them food for a couple of days. And I couldn't imagine ever being grateful in such an impoverished state, but she was there thanking God. Yeah. And then a little bit later in the conversation, she told me about her daughter, who had consulted a witch doctor, and she, she lost her mind as a result. So she cried uh, when she said that she had no con- contact with her daughter anymore. And she was so emotional. But then, you know, we talked on, she, she wiped her tears, and all of a sudden she was on her knees, this, this old, the old lady Marie, and she raised her hands and started praying for me. I mean, can you imagine that this elderly lady, deprived of any luxury, starts praying for me with all my Western privileges? Hmm. It was really amazing. And she thanked the Lord for bringing me there and prayed for safe travels back. And I tell you, that was my moment to cry. Yeah, it was well, so I can emotional. see why. <laughs> yeah, I love that. 
one of your final interviews uh, was with uh, Pastor uh, Jimmy uh, at a congregation uh, called the the Chapel of Christ. Again, I won't I, I won't try to pronounce the, uh, the 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 town, but how encouraging to hear that his little church runs twelve Project Philip group studies including one using the audio Bible. And uh, as you, I guess when you met them, uh, they sang one of your favorite hymns, yes? Yes, yes, they did. Uh, I didn't really have the opportunity to talk to Pastor Jimmy because he was leading one of the Bible study groups and we you know, had to go uh, for the next appointment. But he said indeed that his uh, church ran the amazing number of 12 Bible study groups. And after we witnessed the people go, uh, going through the Bible study lesson, I asked Pastor Jimmy if they could sing a song because I always love to hear them sing in their mother tongue and it, I, I just love that. <laughs> so we grabbed his guitar and they started singing Blessed Assurance. Of course, I didn't understand the language, but I knew the uh, the melody and, and the English lyrics. And indeed, that's one of my favorites. And I hadn't told them what to sing, so it was really a surprise. And it made me realize that God's love is in the details. And it was another emotional moment. So the rest of the day, I was humming, praising my Savior all the day long. It was, oh. it was really beautiful. <laughs> well, I loved reading your trip summary, uh, Anton. I picked you know, these were the stories I definitely wanted to ask you about, and, and you've done a great job covering these. Uh, any other interviews or experiences you want to share? Yeah, I thought of one other lady also named Marie, who also completed uh, the Prescott Bible study, and she had a, a great quote that I wanted to share with you. Hmm. Because he said, the Bible is more than food, more than the most valuable things in my life. I would suffer if I wouldn't have the Bible. Now that's coming for so, from someone who struggles to get uh, a proper meal on the table each day, who struggle, uh, struggles making ends meet and then saying that um, she would suffer if she wouldn't have the Bible and that it's more than the most valuable things in her life. That was really impactful to me. Well, I love that. Anton, tell us a few ways that we can pray for uh, the spread of the gospel in the Ministry of Bible League in the country of Madagascar. Yeah, sure. It's very important to pray for them. I think in the first place, we need to pray for, uh, for the power of the gospel to continue breaking through the strongholds of evil and darkness in Madagascar. We need to pray that the good news of Jesus will free these people from their fears and, and make them know the, the love and the comfort of Christ. Hmm. Also, we started children's ministry this year. So please pray that God's word will fill the hearts of Madagascar's children because they otherwise will grow up with ancestral worship and sorcery. So we, uh, I really want to ask uh, our listeners to pray for the children of Madagascar to receive uh, the love of Christ in their hearts. Wow, that is a powerful incentive to pray, isn't it? To see children who are facing a future filled with spiritual darkness to instead be captured by the hope of the gospel. Anton, thank you for sharing these amazing stories from your recent trip to the island nation of Madagascar, Africa. I've enjoyed, I've been on the edge of my sea with each of these stories today. And friends, thank you for listening and for supporting Bible League with your prayers and financial gifts in this new year. Will you follow Bible League on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, X, and YouTube. And you can sign up for our e-newsletter and verse of the day and learn more about becoming a monthly sower at BibleLeague.org. That's BibleLeague.org. And let us know how today's program impacted you. Email us at podcast at BibleLeague.org. I'm Michael Woolworth for the Word in Action podcast.